it's nice to look at icons again. So if you look all the way back there is the Feast of the Transfiguration. which of course is connected to every other icon in this church as well. So it could be a very long sermon, but I won't let it be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. It is. So this is a beautiful, beautiful feast of the Lord that takes place every year during the Dormition of the Theotokos fast. And I love the fact that it takes place sort of in the middle of this fast because it really points to the very reason why we honor the Mother of God. We believe that she, because of her son and because of her own faith, and her communion and union with God, she becomes higher in honor than the cherubim and more glorious beyond compare than the seraphim. She is so holy in her life that after she dies, our Lord, bodily and spirit, translates her into the heavens. What happens to her points to what eventually will happen to us, that we too will end up being raised from the dead and taken up into the heaven, which is our rightful citizenship, our homeland. And we will be transformed as well because we will put off the corruptible, we will put off the temporal and the earthly, and we will put on the incorruptible and the heavenly and the immortal and the celestial. When Jesus took Peter and James and John with him, notice that he didn't take the other nine apostles. The fathers of the church that comment on this tell us that only Peter, James, and John were worthy at this point in Christ's ministry to go up with him on Mount Tabor and to experience and participate in what happens up there. Notice that the Gospel of Mark and Matthew and Luke all say that Jesus' countenance changes before Peter, James, and John that his clothing and his body become as white and bright as the sun. Some say even brighter than the sun because the light that comes from him is not created, it's uncreated. It is his divine nature showing forth through his humanity. In a way, he's revealing to Peter, James, and John by grace, what is always a reality regarding the person of Jesus Christ. He could have allowed his divinity always to shine through his humanity, but people are not worthy to bear it, not able, as the hymn of this feast says, they saw him transfigured as much as they could bear. 
Believe me, the uncreated light of his divinity could have been so powerful that Peter, James, and John could not have taken it. It's interesting that this feast, if you look at how the different fathers interpret what happens, they don't just say that Peter and James and John were passive spectators of this transfiguration. They say that Jesus also allowed them to participate in this uncreated light. Otherwise, they couldn't have seen it with the spiritual eyes of their heart. We know from later centuries and other saints that they were so filled with the grace of God that they also were able to participate in the uncreated light of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not by their nature, not naturally, but by grace, because they were participating in communion with the one who was shining that uncreated light in their presence. It's also interesting that Moses and Elijah from the Old Testament appear one on either side of Jesus, and that a light overshadows the top of that mountain because the Holy Spirit is present. And the voice of the Father comes from that cloud, and he says, Behold, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, listen to him. The Father and the Holy Spirit are bearing witness that the person who is standing on Mount Tabor is none other than the Son of God, who becomes incarnate and is the God-man. And the giver of the law, the, Moses, the prophet Moses, and the chief among all of the prophets of the Old Testament, Elijah, also stand, one on the other side, one on one side, bearing witness that this is the one that was spoken of in the law, and this is the one that was spoken of and promised in all of the prophets, because the one and same Holy Spirit was speaking through the prophets, bearing witness ahead of time that he would come. Now he has come and he fulfills all of the law and the prophets. And Peter, James, and John are able to participate, experience, and see this incredible event. My dear brothers and sisters, we are not called just to look at an icon. We are not called just to read those gospel accounts or even just to come to church and hear about it. We are called as human beings to be in such communion and such union with God that we get to, in a sense, go up on Mount Tabor with him and to see his divinity shining through his humanity and to be able to participate and become partakers of his divine nature by grace. First and foremost, through the Eucharist, Secondly, through all of the other holy mysteries and sacraments of the church. Thirdly, by our prayer life. Fourthly, 
because we are living a life of repentance that turns away from everything that separates us from God and we turn back to God and by our communion and union with him by receiving his grace we become ever more truly and fully human after the prototype the very son of man our Lord Jesus Christ so we are not just to go through our life without gradually by God's grace becoming transfigured becoming ever more like our Lord and Savior who we imitate who we participate in who we experience through the life of the church this is why I said at the beginning that the holy Theotokos the mother of God as the greatest saint of the church points the way for every one of us because she becomes like her son and we were made in his image, and we too are called to become like him through our life in the church. So let us let this feast of the holy transfiguration of our Lord also gradually become our own holy transfiguration. Amen.